Welcome back, Brown Girls. This is Ashanti Golar, the host of the Brown Girls Guide to Politics podcast. And today we are continuing our conversations with Planned Parenthood about the first 100 days of the Biden-Harris administration. And we are joined by another amazing woman who is a part of the Planned Parenthood family, Dr. Krishna Upadhyaya who is the Vice President of Quality Care and Health Equity. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm super glad to be here, Ashanti. Thank you. I love having doctors on the podcast. Thank you, Planned Parenthood. It makes me feel so fancy. Can you tell us a little bit about your career path? What made you want to be a doctor? What made you want to focus on women's health care? And what brought you to Planned Parenthood? Sure. I am an adolescent medicine doctor. So I'll just start with that, um, which means that I am a person who specializes in taking care of teenagers. And I think I was drawn to that because, first of all, teenagers are, are fascinating. They're at a very interesting time <laughs> in life. We know with so many things going on socially, emotionally, and physically. And they, I think I'm also very drawn to the intersections between people's health and the other aspects of their life. And um, in adolescent medicine, those things are just really at the forefront. And those include things like education and policies that impact on the people's access to care and information. Those are all the same things that I, that really drew me to Planned Parenthood as an organization, because our organization has those pillars of care, education, research, and advocacy. And so for me, you you can't have health without any of those four. And so it's just a tremendous opportunity to work for an organization that, that really leans into all of those. Such a great organization. Let's get to talking about the first 100 days of the Biden-Harris administration. It's only been a couple of days, but They have been doing a lot. We saw Mm -hmm. the huge stack of executive orders that President Biden signed. And even before they took office, they talked a lot about COVID and the pandemic. And we know that it's absolutely in the forefront of what they're going to be focusing on in the first 100 days. And we've seen so much activity Mm -hmm. on it in the first days. It's really hard to keep up. So can you tell us a little bit about where we are at with the federal rollout of the vaccine and what are some of the things that you think we'll see within the next few weeks? Yes, there really has been a lot of activity. And as someone who is a clinician and a, a public health person, I am just so thankful. I'm, and, and as a scientist, I'm just so grateful that they are coming in to this, knowing how critical this is to everything that's going on in our country and really leading with experts and really bringing science to bear. I think the fact that they have had to do so much in the few days that they've had shows how much was not done before that should have been done over this past year. And I think as someone who has worked on our response to COVID as an organization, both at our national office as well as across our affiliates, I can say that this this year has just been extremely disappointing in terms of the support that people have had for what was needed in this pandemic. In terms of the vaccine, you know, 
One of the things is obviously we are all very excited to have a vaccine for this this disease and it's vitally important because so many people have died and we need to prevent more people from dying. At the same time, this pandemic has clearly shown us that you know, health is going beyond what is happening in clinical care and so many inequities in our society show up in health outcomes and in how this pandemic has really affected people. And that same thing is true with regard to how this vaccine is rolling out and how people are going to accept it. And so I think there's a lot of promise and still a lot of work to come with regard to the vaccine rollout. And you mentioned your work with helping Planned Parenthood fight the pandemic. It was just so important last year. We're now entering the second year of the pandemic to have organizations like Planned Parenthood that we could trust because you cannot trust anything, unfortunately, that was coming out of the administration. So what are some ways that Planned Parenthood has worked and will work to help combat the pandemic? Thank you for that. I think I mentioned earlier about why I was drawn to the the organization of Planned Parenthood because of the multiple aspects of our mission. And I think at the foundation, we truly believe that people need to have the best evidence-based scientific information and care and access in order to be able to live their healthiest lives. And that is really how we have approached the pandemic as well. Certainly, we know that the care that is provided at Planned Parenthood health centers is essential to people and is time sensitive. And so from the beginning, we have worked really hard to make sure that all of our affiliates have access to the highest quality of information to make decisions. All of our affiliates have taken steps to ensure that their health centers are safe places to work and to come in to be seen as a patient. We have also had a lot of work to support our affiliates to transition care where possible to virtual care. This was work that had started before the pandemic and really the pandemic made it a necessity to really accelerate that work. And so we have affiliates that have really leaned in and just even more built out their capacity to meet people where they are in safe ways during this time. Because we know that people still need their birth control. People Mm -hmm. still need abortions. People still need to get tested for chlamydia or HIV. Those things can't be put off for a pandemic. You know, when this whole situation started, I don't think any of us thought that we would be here a year later still (laughs) at home. And that's extremely disappointing. But regardless, people's healthcare couldn't wait. And so our affiliates, I'm, it's just been amazing to see how hard they have worked to make sure that their patients could continue to get the care they need during this really difficult time. And we'll be right back after this short break. Periods happen. Get to know your flow and so much more by tracking your cycle with Spot On. Spot On is Planned Parenthood's free, medically accurate period and birth control tracking app, available in English and Spanish. One cool thing about Spot On is that it's an easy way to know when your period is coming and notice if something is up. Did you know your daily schedule, things like traveling, exercising, even stress, can affect your menstrual cycle? 
Track with Spot On every day to better understand your period symptoms. The app has over six birth control methods you can choose to track, the pill, patch, ring, shot, IUD, and implant, and over 180 brands are represented that you can sync the app to. With Spot On, you can set daily reminders to take your pill and get help on how to catch up if you miss one or two. The best part? You have control over where your data is stored, on your phone, in the app, or on the cloud. Tracking your period, cycle, and birth control with Spot On gives you the power to know your body and advocate for yourself. Download for free by going to heardaboutspoton.org. That's heardaboutspoton.org. And thank you all for that. Like, yet again, Planned Parenthood always making sure that they are there so people can get their care. And you talked about this a little bit when you address the fact that we do know that there are inequalities in healthcare and lots of systematic racism. And even before the vaccine was developed, there was a big thing in communities of color about, okay, how are they actually going to be testing this vaccine? Because of history, there's a lot of distrust. And even now we still have people saying, I don't know if I even want to get the vaccine or I may wait a couple of years to get the vaccine. What are some of the things that we can do in communities of color to help build trust for the vaccine? And I particularly think about the fact that I have a grandmother who has Alzheimer's that's getting worse and we definitely want her to get the vaccine. So even not even thinking about us as, you know, younger people, middle aged people, but for our elders, letting them know that this is actually something that you should get. What are some of the things that we can do? How can we talk about the importance of getting this vaccine? I think the first thing that we are doing and the first thing that's really important is for us to recognize that people have rightful mistrust in our systems, including based on our own history as an organization. And so we have to start there and make sure that we are making space to meet people where they are with those concerns. The second thing that we think is critically important that we're working to do is then make sure that we are there with full and evidence-based information to answer honestly and directly the questions that people have. Thirdly, and this is hard sometimes for us as, as clinicians, you know, we believe strongly in vaccines and we know that vaccines are going to be important and we oftentimes trust the processes because we've had an opportunity to work in them or see them up close in ways that other people might not. And we really want to lean quickly into everyone should get this. We want everyone to have it. And it's important for us to, again, take that step back and, and respect that people have to take their own time and that if given, we have to respect the decisions that people make. And so what we're really trying to do is, first of all, acknowledge the mistrust. Second of all, provide the best information to support people in their decision making. And then the other thing that we are really want to, to contribute to is how can we make sure that the rollout happens in a way that is equitable and that doesn't add to inequities that are happening. So I can tell you from, from speaking to our affiliates across the country, the way the vaccine has rolled out so far is really not equitable 
Too many times I've had a conversation where someone says, I was able to get it for for my staff because of calling in different people that I know across the community. And that as a starting point is not equity because Mm -hmm. it's taking advantage of, you know, personal connections that we have. And that is not how this vaccine should be rolled out if we want Mm -hmm. it to be getting to the places that it that it needs to go. And so I think the other responsibility that we take seriously and that we're thinking about is how do we show up to really push for the policies and the structures to support equitable distribution of this vaccine? And I think that's where, getting to your earlier question, there's a lot of work that still needs to happen. And we definitely want to be a part of of supporting those efforts. Now, what you talked about, it just made me think of stories that I've seen come out about the inequities in the disability community. They're talking about the fact that they're still not being prioritized for the vaccine. In Canada, there was a man and his wife, very wealthy. They took their private plane to one of the small towns, said that they were workers there and got the vaccine and then flew back home. Again, not everyone can do those things. So it is something that we do have to work on to make sure that the everyday people aren't forgotten as we begin this rollout. And I just love how you have talked about equity is one of the things that I've definitely loved with all of my conversations with the Planned Parenthood team throughout the interviews we've been conducting on the podcast. So what are some of the things that Planned Parenthood is working on around quality care and health equity? We know there's always health care issues that need to be addressed. Yeah, there's so there's so much work to do <laughs> and um, there's so many opportunities. That's why how, how I like to look at it. We have some great things going on. I mentioned earlier that as part of the pandemic response, our affiliates really leaned into telehealth and how that was an opportunity to meet more patients where they are in safe ways during a pandemic. At the same time, we know there are potential for inequities in telehealth. Some people don't have access to broadband. Some people aren't comfortable maybe using a video call, you know, all of those types of things. Some people may not have English as a first language. How are we making sure that the patients that need care regardless of their identities can can reach that care. And so we have some important work going on for our affiliates to share with each other the different things that they're doing to make sure that their telehealth work is is reaching people in an equitable way. That's that's one key area. We have obviously a large focus on abortion access and making sure that abortion access is real and equitable for people across the country. And, you know, making sure that that is really being looked at through a lens of of race equity. And then we have a lot of other work going on just to really think about what does health equity really mean to Planned Parenthood? What are the measurable outcomes that we can identify and track to know that we're making progress towards that? And so those are all initiatives that we're working on to really lean into our how we are contributing to the larger uh, goals around health equity. Amazing. And I want to take us into our final question. Four years from now, the Biden-Harris administration, they're ending their first term. 
What are some of the things that you hope to see when it comes to women's health care and equity just in America? That's such a great and large question. <laughs> I would say health equity really means that, you know, everyone has the opportunity to achieve their optimal health. And I think what we know from the last four years is that especially where as relates to sexual and reproductive health care and health care for LGBTQ individuals, we have really taken a lot of steps backward. And so I really hope that this incoming administration really does lean into starting with science and evidence, reversing things like preventing providers in the Title X program from providing evidence-based information about abortion, because that we know creates a barrier to people who need access to abortion care that people have don't have to worry about paying for their care and so that they've leaned into reducing some of the barriers to Medicaid access that were implemented over the last four years so that, you know, more people with lower incomes have access to care. You know, I think those are those are some of the, the biggest things. So I think, you know, if we envision that world four years from now, I would want anyone regardless of their identity or their income or their gender, to be able to go into a health center and get the abortion care they need, the STI care they need, um, without worrying about cost or, or stigma. Wonderful. Dr. Krishna Upadhyay, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for everything that you do. We really enjoyed having you on today to talk about the COVID pandemic and healthcare in general. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much to all of our listeners. Please take time to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast. For more information on the Brown Girls Guide to Politics, you can check us out at thebgguide.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The BG Guide. The Brown Girls Guide to Politics podcast is produced by Wonder Media Network. You can find them at wondermianetwork.com. Thank you to our sponsor of this episode, the Planned Parenthood Federation of America. Care no matter what. Until next time, Brown Girls. Are you ready to co-create the world we want to live in? Then join the community listening to Our Body Politic, a political podcast that's by and for women of color with everyone welcome to join the feast. The show offers a new view of the news, making politics personal with host Farah Chidea, a veteran black woman journalist who has reported all over the U.S., from Standing Rock to Air Force One. Each week, with her passion and decades of experience, Farah gets real with women you need to hear from, like Senator Tammy Duckworth, Representative Rashida Tlaib, author N.K. Jemison, and more. So if you want your politics news to lift you up and be useful in your daily life, then listen to Our Body Politic. You can also help them shape the show and the future by sharing your thoughts with them. You can subscribe to Our Body Politic wherever you listen to your podcasts.